Welcome to Appetite for Production. It's like Samuel Beckett play, only it's a music production podcast about plugins and shit. Uh, yes, that's how it is on this bitch of a podcast. Am I right, James? Yeah, we are waiting for Silence 2. <laughs> yeah, we, 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 I would prefer to wait for Godot, personally. <laughs> hey, everybody. I'm Tim Cant. I'm a music journalist. And you are arriving with the tedious inevitability of an unloved season, James Russell. Are you familiar with that quote, James? Uh, I'm not. I'm, I'm culturally uh, inept. I am one-upping your Samuel Beckett-ness with uh, my Moonraker quote, which <laughs> I got from a charity shop on DVD this week. Oh, yeah? Uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, it's sick. It's absolutely amazing. It's great. Like, faking being in space. Yeah, yeah, That yeah. dude with his sinister moustache. Yeah, yeah. And the blonde chicks. Oh, absolutely. So many blonde chicks. And a giant um, jetpack battle in space. I'm hoping to find out what's been spinning in your tray (laughs) (laughs) as we move forward tray beyond james So I haven't done any interviews with artists for a few months. Oh, really? And then all of a sudden, like four different people came to me offering interviews. Oh, okay. Uh, so I've been doing a few of those. Can you tell us who they are? Yeah, uh, I did one with Icicle. Oh, yeah, yeah. I've interviewed Icicle a couple uh, of times. He's drum, a nice guy. Drum and bass guy. Does a bit of techno sometimes. Mm-hmm. Uh, back to drum and bass. Uh, yeah, good guy, good guy. Uh, he said a few interesting things, like, for example... He's become more of a perfectionist as he got older and more experienced. Whereas I think a lot of people get sort of quicker and take less time to finish things as they get more experienced. Hmm. Um, I always thought I was a perfectionist, um, but of course you look back at your old stuff and you're like, "What the fuck was I thinking?" Yeah. So I would I would say that I've become more perfectionisty, whatever. Though I've always okay. tried to do that. Um, who else did I speak to? I spoke, spoke to a dude called Anthony Baldino, who is his job is basically to make the music for trailers and sound design for trailers. Okay. Hollywood trailers. Mm. So he's done all sorts of, uh, like he's done a load of Marvel trailers. Oh, sound wow. Design, uh, Big Star time. Wars sound design. And uh, yeah. When Does he do drums that go, rub-a-da-bum, rub-a-da-bum, Basically, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. He, was, uh, he was an interesting one, a bit different from the norm. Did he tell you what flipping string sounds he uses? No, he... he I think he's just amalgamated a massive bunch of stuff over the years. Yeah, man. When you get paid properly in an industry to do stuff, it's a lot easier to invest in the kids' doings. I, I felt like asking him if he could do uh, you and I some trailer music. Oh, hell yeah, man. What's the boys' prices like? Next time on Appetite for Production. I'm sure he would have thrown something together for free. Oh, I mate, just, you should have done it. I couldn't be asked. You see, <laughs> here's the problem. He lives in LA. And so it, for me... It was bitterly early in the morning. Oh, mate. 8 a.m. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And for yeah. him, it was bitterly late at night. 12 a.m. Uh, so, you know, it's it's always tough to do that. But we, we had a good one. Okay, that's and, cool. That sounds good. Uh, one of the other ones is uh, a chap from a company that does sort of for higher coding and development of audio software. But they had been working with the other people who were working on MIDI 2.0. Oh, yeah. So that was um, 
is for music radar and it's going to be like what will MIDI 2.0 mean for musicians? Yeah, what will it mean for me? Well, yeah, here's, here's the fundamental thing, Tim. Okay. Uh, tell me about the fundamental, then tell me about the harmonics. <laughs> <sighs> Sorry, please carry on. To put it in uh, this chap's own words, it's, um, it's a bit like designing a bunch of Lego bricks. Like, you're not saying what people should do with it. You're just giving them the <laughs> capability. No, when I give someone some Lego bricks, I tell them exactly what to make with it. Because <laughs> yeah. I'm giving them those bricks, mate. Yeah, it should be you, my divine right. If you are the brick designer coming <laughs> yeah. up with new possibilities, <laughs> it's not really for you to say how they will be used exactly. But there are uh, interesting new capabilities. Like, uh, there's a massively... Look, James, I'm oh. confused. How much free Lego do I get with my MIDI controller now? Nothing. What? Okay, carry on. Uh, you've got better resolution in MIDI, which... Uh, I don't use the resolution we've got now. No, it's it's not always a problem in audio. Um, but if you think about people using MIDI for like lighting and, and uh, animatronics and stuff, that's going to be good for them. Uh, doors... How fast could light even move, mate? I know. <laughs> 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 it's going to be backward compatible with MIDI 1. Uh, there's going to be a lot of things that the implication of them is basically that whatever controller you have, you know, there are some crazy controllers out there like wind controllers, organ controllers. Oh, we know about controllers, mate. Ring controllers? Uh, yes, yes, yes. <laughs> they will be able to sort of, when you plug the instrument in, they'll sort of be able to reconcile exactly what control they have and uh, so you'll see a lot more, not oh, uniformity, wow. but translation oh, between God. those. You know, when you load a plug-in synth in your door, you have a list of parameters that you can automate. Mm. And those parameters will be called something like filter or cutoff. What? Or oscillator pitch or something like that. Whereas if you're just using classic MIDI, you just have CC1, CC2, oh, CC3, yeah. blah, blah, blah. It's going to be a lot more descriptive. And let's say you plug a MIDI controller into a hardware synth. Uh, it will The synth will be able to report back and say, I have two filter cutoffs, uh, two oscillator pitch controls, mm. uh, three uh, e envelopes, and this and that and the other. What am I? Oh, okay. And so they'll be able to be a bit more like, you can imagine someone making a MIDI controller that then has labels over all the knobs, which can say, this is your yeah. resonance, blah, 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 uh, which is good. Uh, a lot more MIDI channels. Um, each note, you know how a note used to be just note on and a velocity. Uh, mm. It's got It's got a lot more you can add in there and you can make your own sort of tags which go with oh, the note. what? So you could, for example, uh, you could define the exact pitch of the note when you send it. So you could say, this is a G4. What, um, discrete to the pitch bend message. Exactly. Okay. Uh, this is a G4, and it's at this exact pitch. And then later, you send that G4 again, and the pitch has changed, and you can send that as a message. Okay. Uh, there's a lot more. You know how you have MIDI polyphonic stuff, which is per note mm. pitch bend? There's a lot more per note stuff, basically. So you could uh, you could send whatever you could send a custom message with each note to control something that we haven't even thought of yet. A Steinberg in on MIDI 2.0. Yes, they did a presentation which I'm still having trouble finding about uh, how VST 
will work with MIDI 2.0. Okay. So that's promising as it's well. It's good that they're all working together. Yeah, and that's basically what happened with MIDI 1. Everyone worked together. Oh, it's good to see, man. Uh, so I think it, it's going to be an improvement. From what I can tell, MIDI 2.0, the name, is basically a branding thing. This You could just look at it, it as a, an extension of MIDI. Um, but yeah, importantly, if you plug a MIDI 2.0 thing into a MIDI uh, 1.0 thing, then they'll just continue to operate using MIDI 1. That's sick. That's good. So, I don't like uh, chucking stuff away, bruv. Won't do it. Yeah, so it's very open-ended, and I've got to write this article without making people disappointed, as if I'm going to say, oh, you can do this and this and this and this, this now. Mm. You know, it's really up to the people who make the gear right. rather than the people who make the spec. The one cool idea was that, you know how you're using, let's say... Um, as I know, you you love to use bassoon romplers. Oh, mate, my hard drive's slipping full of the things, man. And so if you have a bassoon rompler, you have key switches these days. Uh, you have like, oh, I want a staccato note. <laughs> Makes I want chicken a, noises. I want a legato note. <laughs> I want a, 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 a I want this note. <laughs> I want a Uncanny. gentle clucking sound. Yeah. <laughs> I want a broody sounding bassoon. This has taken a very strange turn. But with MIDI 2.0, because you have <laughs> messages per note. You could define those in a different way from your MIDI controller okay. and you wouldn't have to necessarily use key switching if you didn't want to. Is this going to pave the way for ultra-realistic romplers, the likes of which we've never heard before? Nah. Okay. Uh, it's time for a Behringer super explosion, Tim. Oh, God. The controversial company has been releasing a lot of stuff. Yes, I'm vaguely aware of it. Uh, 303? Yes, I was aware of that. I saw the video. It seems okay. Like the look of that? Um, I don't like... I'm not sure about the distortion. Um, I would like to know more about the resonance and stuff and everything. Mm. But, like, I haven't even used a real 303 anyway. So I guess it's... I'm maybe being a little bit churlish. But, yeah, it seems fine anyway. Uh, they are going to clone the Wasp. The classic uh, buzzy English synth. Yeah, a bit of an odd choice. I mean, people don't really bang on about the Wasp. No. Um, maybe they will now. I don't know. It mm. seems seems like a weird one, unless they soup it up. So it's uh, instead of just being an annoyance, it's an intense, massive... It's like a termite. Annoying. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's some kind of flying dragon. Oh, God. Okay. Um, they're going to do a polyphonic mini moog. So is this the poly D? Yes, Okay, cool. Uh, that's another thing they're going to do. But anyway, forget the products that so they So if make. I go into, you know, my local bar and I ask the bartender if he knows where I can get some Poly D, then he will direct me to Beringer's website. Yeah, I, I believe so. Okay, fantastic. Good, good to know. Good to know. What's that a joke about? But, uh, so uh, D would be dick and Polly would be polyamory. So. Uh -huh. <laughs> There's a lot of things you can do with this name. You <laughs> yeah, know? yeah, yeah. <laughs> Bit of an odd choice for the name, but whatever. Anyway, the, the, the products do not matter because one thing they've also been found to be doing is <laughs> yeah. registering a bunch of trademarks <gasps> for other people's synths. Whoa, what? This is, they're stepping it up a notch with, uh, with this crazy activity. Now, apparently, <laughs> they are allowed to do this. Of course they are. Brilliant. And, um, <laughs> yeah, so... 
this was originally a synth anatomy story. Amazing. Uh, they submitted trademarks for over 10 synths, including the Korg Monopoly. I call it the Korg Monopoly because it's got a slash. Uh, I think we had this conversation before and I called it the Korg Monopoly and you called it the Monopoly. No, that can't be right. I'm sure some uh, some dedicated clam can go back and find that. Anyway. Anyway. Um, yeah, it's apparently they have registered trademarks uh, in certain areas of the world for COBOL, Polycobol, Bolivox, Bolivox, Polyvox, mm. Synthex, Trident, Quadra, Source, Prodigy. Oh, wow. Uh, Pro 16 and Pro 800. Oh, I'm not really sure what those are. Me neither, but maybe they hint at some, uh, something that someone else would know. So they've, they've tried to, or they have, registered a bunch of trademarks of other people's stuff. What's your hot take? Um, well, I think it's good that there's going to be a Monopoly clone. That is a cool synth. That is one of the few synths that I would really like to have. Mm-hmm. Um, not that I'm going to buy one, though, probably. Um, this seems cheeky as fuck, man. Um, yeah. Like, business seems to be going crazy. Politics seems to be going crazy. It seems like the, the old rules don't really apply anymore. Do you know what I mean? There's no there's no kind of... It feels like there are no gentlemen's agreements anymore. Do you know what I mean? To use a very outdated and sexist term. Okay, here's how I think the world's going. <laughs> Hot take. So, you know, we had the age of mass media. Yeah, sure. And right now, mass media is very weak. Your sort of traditional, institutional, mm. TV, radio, BBC, Channel 4, whatever you want to call it, uh, newspapers, very weak. But we have a different kind of media, which some would call social media. Oh, there's a social media now. In many ways, that's even more massive than the mass media, right? Mm. But it's decentralized, it's distributed, and it's all about sort of, I guess it's all about attention uh, rather than anything else. And you get attention seekers and you get people uh, just making, I don't know, scandals and sensational things happen to get uh, attention, and those seem to be the ones that are succeeding. Uh, So it's made me wonder, back in the days of mass media, did the mass media speak a bit more truth than we're getting now? Or did they just take us all into some weird, biased direction? I think that manufacturing consent has always been a thing, James. Mm. Have you seen hypernormalization? I have, I have, I have. And, well, it's uh, all real, mate. Yeah. There's no conspiracy theories. Conspiracy theories, everything is real. So maybe we're living in a more uh, realistic age now than we were before. But it seems crazier. Uh, yeah, I mean, just it seems like people just say and do anything now. Um, mm. How are we going to bring this back to sin? I don't know, but basically, <laughs> basically, the world is going nuts. But a lot of people might be getting a lot of cheap synths, which is one saving grace of it. But it's it's cheeky. I I I, I have sort of enjoyed seeing all the cheekiness happening uh, with Behringer, but also recently, I think in the last week, the. CEO of Korg, or was it Roland? No, it was Korg, said uh, that they're not going to bring anything back. <laughs> what? They're not going to try and uh, resurrect their analogue oh, okay. uh, successes. But they, did they have such such success with that oh, MS-20 Mini they did? No, it like wasn't that. Korg. Sorry. It was um, the Jupiter, uh, Roland. So he's talking about, are, are oh, you going to do... Would you make a Jupiter eight? Yeah. yeah. Are you right, going right, to do right, another right. analog Jupiter instead of these uh, digital ones? They must make so much money off those little digital ones. And they're saying, I mean. no, we're not going to just do the same shit we did and reissue a load of stuff. 
That is a shame, but who could afford a Jupiter? I, I like the philosophy. It seems quite nicely Japanese as well. Like you, you're going to do something different and you're going to, you're not just going to give in to uh, the obvious easy wins, you know? Mm-hmm. Let me make a suggestion, James. Yeah-huh. Uh, Uli Beringer is making enemies in countries like Russia. Uh-huh. Uh, Japan, mm-hmm. America, uh-huh. formidable foes. Yeah. Is this a fool's errand? Um, I don't know. I think pretty soon he's going to be in prison <laughs> and <laughs> okay. he's going to mysteriously die. Oh, God. And then we'll have uh, have a bunch of conspiracies about that. Okay, Uli Beringer didn't kill himself. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> well, we've got all that to look forward to in 2020. Okay, everybody, it's the time where we ask you to join the Clam Club. Yeah, support us on Patreon, people, and we'll stop asking you. Yeah, everyone's got too much money right now, and it needs to be uh, redistributed to me and James. And a small percentage to tax and a small percentage to Patreon themselves. So, yeah. Don't worry about that tax stuff. If you ever wanted to patronise us... Please patronise us. We're really stupid. Do you know what patronising is, Tim? (laughs) It's it's when you, like, talk down to someone. Oh, well, really? Okay, okay. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, There is not a bunch of stuff live at the moment but there is some stuff you get to <laughs> really see us selling it mate. you get to see us uh doing what we do but in video format not whole episodes but extra stuff <laughs> a lot of a lot of caveats exclusive to, this whole to you you can see us uh doing our beavis and butthead thing uh watching videos and talking over the top of them mm. you gotta love it there is one uh whole sort of special episode up there and there should be another one by the time <laughs> you... one whole special episode. i know i know for the last <laughs> for the last two months i've said there's one coming soon <laughs> it is edited up and ready to fly i just don't know when i'm gonna post it probably next week so next week there will be another one you know you get stuff and you get to feel warm and fuzzy for patronizing me and tim yeah please patronize us and many thanks to our newest patrons uh marius andre holter hey buddy and Madeline. hey cheers thanks we uh love you to the end of the earth we really do appreciate it and if you want to join the League of Clams, <laughs> get our special love and find out about cool opportunities and stuff. Oh, God, business opportunities. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's basically a multi-level marketing it's, scheme. It's, yeah. <laughs> okay, so this is our LinkedIn-style social network. If you give us a very small amount of money, we will definitely get you a job. That's the, that's our guarantee, yeah. right, James? Tim Kant has invited you to connect. Connect with me. <laughs> Touch my face. Can I t- actually... Could I do another plug as yeah, well? Yeah, yeah. Um, I did a mix the other day, and I'm going to put it on my SoundCloud, I think, if uh, unless it gets like copyright struck. So uh, check out my SoundCloud, which is slash Tim Cans. Cheers, guys. Tim, we're going to look at something called Wave VR. Oh, wow. That sounds futuristic and sexy uh, at least it used to be called wave vr is now just called wave oh that uh, seems like it's ripe for confusion so this is apparently and is this made by waves no brilliant it is the world's first multi-channel virtual entertainment platform <laughs> so it's like in back to the future 2 where you've got loads of different tv channels playing simultaneously and then you make a pizza that's been dehydrated this is specifically for live concerts 
Okay. So it says the uh, experience will allow artists to perform live for fans across... It looks like Fritz Lang's flipping metropolis, mate. What is going on? <laughs> across digital, social, and virtual platforms. Oh, my God. I'd say you're going to a concert, but you're actually in your living room. Yeah. That I can get down with. Going to a concert, but you're actually in your living room, fine. But the way they do it is <laughs> okay. through virtual stuff <laughs> so well, so you're not actually there the performer puts all those animatronic things on their body and what and the the quote live experience is actually sort of computer generated and that's what people are seeing check out the video at the bottom this sounds bizarre it, it is that is exactly what it is what the hell is going on So this lady here <laughs> plays the violin live and it's going to show her doing it wearing one of those animatronic suits. What? Online. And, <laughs> oh my God. And it takes you into World of Warcraft yeah. while she dances around the place of violin. So all the people are watching it, presumably on Facebook or something. No, this seems like a terrible idea. It, yeah. I mean, the only thing this would work for is, like, gorillas or something. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. Because they are a virtual band. But if you want to stream your music yeah, that's live... Me. That's how I move. That is... That's me performing. Don't you want to... to experience it... Do it live? Yeah, okay, I'm going to stop them right I mean, there. Have you ever heard of a video camera? Yeah, yeah, yeah. This seems really odd. Why do you need this second layer of virtual stuff? So, Facebook bought Oculus Rift, was it? Okay. Um, and then you could really... And people were talking about, oh yeah, so it's gonna be it's gonna be like you're virtually on a couch with your buddies and you can watch a film together. Oh, or yeah, you could have sure. a meeting. That, that sounds that's... great. No well, I think that's what's gonna happen, buddy. Society's getting more fragmented and everything. <laughs> Nobody leaves the house anymore. At least I don't leave the house anymore. Um and uh, yeah, that's gonna how we're gonna interact with our loved ones. And we'll just future. be avatars. Exactly, mate. We're gonna plug our tails into each other. It's gonna be very I, sexy. I think this is a version of the uh 1950s here's what things will look like in the future yeah yeah and and that is that for today and it's just not human nature in the end like i don't want to hate on these people but the vr aspect does look a bit like sort of second life <laughs> like, like it looks pretty dated second life crossed with the matrix yes well it's very much like the party they have in zion is it yeah where it's they're all in a right a writhing mass and everything's <laughs> kind of like a bit greeny browny gray or whatever that is the exact opposite of what i want by the way is that <laughs> zion rave orgy um so yeah so I'm not really down for uh, Wave VR, I don't reckon. Tim, we are recording on Black Friday, and we don't care that it's Black Friday. We're not going to go on about it. I, I care about it. I'm going to go on about it. Carry on. But uh, I, I stubbornly acquiesce to your uh, insistence that we do a couple of Black Friday things, but only if they're very good Black Friday things. Well, these are, I feel like these are important Black Friday things. I and don't know if they're good or not. I believe that you're going to get everybody riveted as you <laughs> buy something while we're doing the podcast. Um, I don't think I'm going to buy... I don't think I'm going to go through the effort of buying it while oh. we're doing the podcast because I hate filling out forms and talking at the same time. Mm. My brain is barely functioning at this stage, yeah, I mean, mate. Like, the plug-in industry is currently like a Kafka novel. 
it, it, it's, you know, it is Kafka-esque to the max, mate. So what have you got for us, Mr. Big Black Friday? Okay, well, okay. Okay, it's the Big Black Friday save-off. Um, okay, the first thing we should say is, if you're a creative, I think it's very, very important that you know that Adobe Cloud stuff is on sale for 30 quid a month, down from 50 quid a month. James, you're not convinced. Uh, you've got to pay for it for a year, right? Yes. 360 Clamaroos. For oh god, is a, that how much it is? I yeah. didn't do the mental math. Oh, Adobe god. for a year. Oh god, I'm not buying it. Literally. Um, how do you how do you work around not using Adobe stuff, Clever Clogs? Okay, first of all, I subscribe sort of as and when to InDesign when I need it. Mm-hmm. Like uh, a gun for hire. I've I've got another good tip for you. I don't know if it's happening again, but last year I bought on Black Friday Affinity Designer. Oh, yeah. Which is like a pay-once version of Photoshop that society really needs. Let me have a quick look and see if it's... Because that purchase was actually very, very wise for me. I think it was 30 quid last year. 33.99. Oh, mate, what, for a Photoshop alternative? Yeah. That's pretty good, mate. was 49 clams. That's, to be honest... Like you'd pay you'd pay that for one month of Adobe Cloud yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> without the discount. So you ask me how I get around okay, okay. not having the entire Adobe suite. That is how. Because okay, I mean, what do you really use from the entire Adobe Cloud, sweetie? I have got, to got use... a little sweetie in there. Uh, yeah, <laughs> that's very good. I have to use After Effects. Um, I mm, kind of have to use Premiere, and sometimes I u- use Audition, but that's more of a luxury. Ugh. But you know, and they're all fine. Audition's quite nice. I mean, it's a uh, it's a bit uh, nicer than uh, Audacity, but Audacity's fine. My opinion well. is that we basically have to, as a society, whenever possible, punish Adobe for doing what they do mm. and uh, buy things like Affinity products because. 33 clams, usual price, 49 clams to have a Photoshop alternative. It does things a bit differently, but it's still good. And if you get used to it, which I have over the last year, I really like it. It's basically open all the time. Oh, really? In my dock. Yeah. Wow. I've always got it open to do something. Well, I I never edit images ever, mate. How come you're editing so many images? Well... I mean, I got I got logos to generate. I've got <laughs> secret podcast projects to do. Oh my do. god, it's such a dark horse! Thumbnails to you know shit like that. Okay, wow. It feels like you really always do the actual work, James. Oh, for things and that's I... because I do. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Wow. Wicked. You're really like a sort of prodigal son, basically. Sort okay. of figure. I feel. So we've covered your Adobe. Okay, that's Adobe. Okay. <laughs> Get all biblical for a second. Moving on swiftly, please. Um. Well, I'll talk about the stuff I want to buy in a second, but first, there's discounts on Sound Toys and FabFilter stuff at the moment, uh, which are sick, and I fa- love those things. FabFilter, is it like 25% off two things, yeah? No, it's not just... I thought it was off just those two things. I think it's 25% off everything. Oh. Which And 25% these days doesn't seem like a massive discount, because you get crazy discounts. Well, FabFilter rarely put any discounts on, and so it's basically the cheapest or nearly the cheapest you're ever going to get them. Uh, although if you bought the Fab Filter bundle, that would be uh, the cheapest way to get them at any time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's pretty expensive though, from what I remember. Yeah, I mean, twenty five percent off. It's not exactly a scammy, massive like, oh, you can buy it for a fiver. But <laughs> well, hang on, what are you insinuating? But your... <laughs> it is probably the cheapest you're going to get. The best plugins ever. Yeah, for. they're really, really good. So check those out. Um... And also, Expand 2 is on sale for a few quid as well, and I think that is sick. Um, moving on. What, what was the Sound Toys thing? 
that the sound toys is 50% off and some of the plugins uh, they're all reduced individually so they're like $29 $49 so you can really back if yeah for example if you've wanted to get decapitator for ages you can get it for 50 bucks at the moment not a, really not a fan thing. of sound toys but you're, I you're have, not a fan of sound I'm toys. not but I have Bang, used, oh, 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 slow down. I have when? I have used two of their plugins in the last couple of days um since forever really what, why I think they're fiddly I don't okay, like I don't okay. like the rack. Um, what oh, was wrong really? with the rack? Like you can't mess around with the signal chain. You can just add one, then the other, then the other, then I the met, other. Uh, you know, I'm not a massive preset jockey. Actually, I'm getting a bit to become a bit more of a preset jockey. I love the presets in the rack, mate. I think they're very um, quick and uh, you know easy to use when you need something so special. In mm, a hurry. Not a massive fan. Okay, that surprises me, bruv. Moving on, shall we? Yep. Um, so I did a the track shoot for Feature Music the other week. Yep. And we did Jack Boston, who is a guy who works studio during the day, recording bands and stuff. And at night, he makes silky drum and bass. Oh. And he used a couple of plugins. And I it has it's been a long time since my head has been turned by a plugin, James. Okay. I don't bang on about the new plugins very much. These I was very impressed by. The first one. Uh, which is OEK Sound? Ook Sound? I believe it's Urk Sound. Urk Sound, okay. Finnish company. The Finnish, yes, that's right. Uh, is it Soothe? It is Soothe, yes. And which is, and if you, are you familiar with this plugin? By uh, the sound of I it? don't think I use Soothe. I used their first one, Spiff, and I think I, I reviewed it quite a while ago, and it, it was decent. It's called Spiff. I thought it was called Spliff. I was like, that's oh. a really brave name for a uh, plugin to have. But uh, anyway, so yeah, so Sue, what does Spiff do then? Uh, oh, God, you're really testing me here. I haven't used it for like 18 months. I do have an NFR license, though. I'm more interested in Soothe, which is like, uh, it, it's a like an automatic um, dynamic EQ, basically. So it creates lots and lots of dynamic EQ bands, but you control it with like a more general kind of, you know, five band style EQ control. Uh-huh. He used it in this studio vid and I was impressed and I tried it on some sounds and it did some stuff to some break beats that I've been using for ages that have got these annoying sort of high endy sort of like sort of sheen to them uh-huh. that when you try and EQ it out really takes a lot of the feel out of them. Sweet. Soothe does an amazing job on that stuff. Um, I hate buying plugins. I love getting them for free. Um, so I was like, it's Black Friday soon. I'm a download. The, I'd already downloaded the demo and checked mm-hmm, it, checked mm-hmm. it out, and it was uh, sick and everything. So that was one for nine euro, and mate, my patience has paid off. I saw that they'd had a sale last Black Friday. It's down to ninety nine euro, so I'm going to be picking that one up, buddy. Despite my uh, limited funds, I just remembered. Uh, I checked my email as well. How I got involved with Spiff. I actually beta tested it for a while. Oh, wow, really? Uh, yeah, and I gave him some feedback, and uh, they gave me an NFR license in exchange for my feedback. Oh, wow. Good uh, good grifting there, buddy. Mm. That's pretty impressive. Well, it's it's not grifting. It's professionalism. <laughs> oh, whatever, it's mate. It's my industry operation. <laughs> Look, that, that is what I would call a grift, basically. Um, I really need to get down with these ook sounds people, if that is indeed how you uh, say it, because their shit's good. Yeah, they're good, they're good. Um, they are doing some genuinely different stuff and it's very much the digital world which I like yes um, and I like I really really struggled to 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 get these breaks right um, and I got them right with 
minimal hassle with um, with this plugin. So yeah, I'm really excited by it. So I'm gonna looking forward to purchasing it. Mm. The other thing I saw, which I haven't checked out the demo of yet, was Mag Audio EQ4. Are you familiar with this? Yes. Um, and its special unique selling point is. Uh, I can't remember because it was a bit too analogy for me. Okay, is it air gain, air? mate? Okay, because it goes up to forty k with a cut. Yeah, apparently, mate. Well, <laughs> I mean, no, that's fine. You can go up to forty k. <laughs> you won't hear it, but let's say you are boosting a high shelf mm-hmm. and your cutoff is like, um, oh yeah, sure, eighteen k. Then there's only so much you can tweak it. If you do a massive boost at 40 kilohertz, which you can't hear, mm. the tail of that massive mm. bell or shelf <laughs> will extend down to say uh, 17, 18, 19, and it will be a smooth um, pickup rather than a massive bump that then tails off again. Okay. So that's what's good about that. You can't hear the 40k, but having the cutoff at 40k means you can do a few. Otherwise, um, impossible things to the highs that you can hear. Mm-hmm. Concise enough for you? Yeah. So what you what you've to you know put it in layman's terms. What you're saying is only a gigantic bell will satisfy you. Is that right? Hell yeah. Okay, sick. Um. So yeah, and that mate it was originally two hundred twenty nine dollar. Uh huh. Down to flipping forty dollar, mate. Uh, it's plugging alliance, isn't it? You know. Yeah, they seem to have some pretty good deals, though. They are pushing their subscription thing hard. How do we feel about subscriptions, James? Uh, we do not best please them. <laughs> no, that's right. <laughs> um, so yes, yeah, so I'm going to try the demo of this. Uh, it's, I hope it doesn't go off sale today because man is busy. But yeah, I really I'm intrigued to to check that one out as Any well. Any other Black Friday thing. deals you got? Um, Avengers fifty eighty seven dollar fifty is it or something? That's pretty something good like that. Okay, yeah. good, good. Um, oh, and you can get a cheap version of the most basic Melodyne, but the most basic Melodyne is very basic. Um, the more, yeah. more advanced advanced versions are on sale as well. Um, the editor version I love because it has your direct note access. And mm. You can use it to turn it uh, turn audio to MIDI um, with they, better results, I'd say, than for example doing it in Ableton. They celebrated ten years of direct note access technology <laughs> oh, really uh, very recently and it's a feature that um oh my god still has not been bettered or even matched by anyone else in the industry timmy <laughs> when wow, you're really getting on your soapbox it was okay. 2009 they announced it yeah uh, i was in university and i had been given an assignment to uh do a sort of what was it like just do a presentation or write-up on any piece of software mm-hmm. uh and I saw they suddenly announced that, and I was like, fucking hell. Uh, so I did that, <laughs> and all the lecturers, were, when I told them about what it was, they were like, you can't do that. That's impossible. <laughs> <laughs> and, and to this day, I feel very special about Melodyne because uh, because of all that. Yeah, wicked. Well, they really did you proud, mate, because it like they said they were going to do it. It seemed impossible. But they blimmin' did it anyway, they and it did. actually worked. And then I did a load more analysis on it later, uh, which sort of I figured out how it works. And there are some weird bugs with it, but it is is the best way to do it. Man, I reckon of all the kind of fiddle with bits of audio in kind of unnatural occult ways that shouldn't really be possible, mm-hmm. I feel like Solemony really do it the best. It's, you know, 
pretty goddamn artifact free. Um, they do a really good job with the MIDI analysis. I mean, you know, I used it, I've used it to do stuff like turn a major chord into a minor chord mm. uh, and stuff like that and everything. You can't really tell. It's very easy to do. So, uh, yeah, that's one, pretty good. One thing I once found is it's not, uh, well, it's good with piano, but um, it will incorrectly identify the pitches oh. because uh, struck strings have <gasps> inharmonicity, which means all the harmonics are slightly sharp oh. and one each sharper than the other one. And uh, so it will identify every piano note as slightly sharper than it actually is. And that shows you how it's analyzing stuff. Oh. It's not just taking the fundamental frequency, it's taking all the harmonics and sort of maybe averaging them, maybe identifying what the note is otherwise. Yep, true story. Yeah, is there a workaround to this uh, piano problem? Uh, no, that's just a thing inherent in pianos. Okay, okay, that's fair uh, enough. And inherent in the way Melodyne works. But you can you can fix it, right? I mean, if you take your incorrectly identified piano line and export it as MIDI, if it does pitch bend information in it, it, oh my Lord. it will be slightly, all the notes will be slightly sharp. Oh, okay, wow. Uh, very slightly. If you take the pitch bend out, which I, I seem to remember you do, I can't remember. Um, but yeah, you if you're getting MIDI out from a piano or another struck string instrument, then you might well want to um, fine-tune everything to zero mm. uh, before you do so, mofo. Tips from the pros. Uh. Um, yeah, I was going to say, it was crazy when they announced Direct Note Access, wasn't mm. it, mate? It was, it was. Uh, it's basically a... Uh, sorry to be really, really boring here. But <laughs> That's I just, what we're all about. I just don't want to talk about Black Friday. It's, <laughs> it's all be- we're done with Black Friday now. This is just a tangent. It's now. all because Western music uses equal temperament and uh, the only Ooh. the only two notes that are perfectly harmonically aligned are octaves and therefore the only thing it ever really gets wrong is, um, is octaves. So when you are going around redefining the detection stage of melodyne some things will be in the wrong octave and you just have to tell it which the right one is but all the notes because they have no harmonic relation between each other square root of one over 12 ratio then um too early for this that's uh that's how it works baby that's pretty impressive mates uh i'm always surprised by your knowledge of this music tech stuff and i'm also surprised that you've even used uh melodyne at all because uh i i'm not sure what you'd be using it for uh i, I used to use it for like experiments and shit <laughs> yeah i bet you bloody did didn't you yeah damn right <laughs> Okay, you wait for years, months maybe, uh, for a stupid MIDI controller. Oh, yeah. And then two come along at once. So on our Clam exclusive episode, we talked about the, uh, what was it called, that, that thing? Oh, that Grip last beats. one. Grip Beats. <laughs> the the uh, MIDI, MIDI watch, which is also a strap, which you can use to control uh, MIDI, I guess. And... <laughs> You know, we've got another one. This is called Orber, and it has a very citrusy feel to it. Ooh, I like citrus. This looks like what you get in some restaurants where they give you a buzzer. Yeah. Um, to t- oh, they've already exceeded their goal. The number's going up while we're on the page. <laughs> um, should we click the video? Click the video. What if making music wasn't just for musicians? No. No, it needs to be made more exclusive. Less people making music. With a single touch. Up in our ivory towers. What if when you needed a break, 
the thing you reached for uh, was an instrument. Oh, dear. Well, so it's like a very, very small MIDI keyboard, basically. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Oh. oh, you can swipe your finger around it. Oh, brilliant. Okay. All you need. Eight segments. Looks like half an orange, but it's black. They've got 172,000 pounds to make this thing, mate. The Artifon Orba. It's a musical instrument designed for your hands. I bet it's revolutionary, isn't it? <laughs> well, because it's round, mate. You've got to call it revolutionary. Instant playability. Oh, it's got, you know, aftertouch. It's an instrument, Tim, that's designed for your hands. <laughs> Why didn't anyone do that? I'm sick of playing all these MIDI keyboards with my flipping feet, man. It's so inconvenient. <laughs> and they've got the uh, the necessary, the, Ooh, you can the slap it. obligatory shot of someone playing it outside in a graffiti-filled area. Yeah, yeah. Don't play with your MIDI kit outside where people can see you guys. I founded Artifon to reinvent, to reinvent, to reinvent, to reinvent, to reinvent. To reinvent. To reinvent the way we think about musical instruments and who gets to play them. MIDI should be. It does look like that grape fruit that they've got in yeah, the sure. shot. <laughs> well, conceptually, it's a masterpiece. MIDI should not be played outside. Mm. MIDI should be played in the comfort and safety of a studio mm. where you can make crap derivative music mm -hmm. using your digital number stream. Yes. And That's what I want to do. Exactly. It, this, no, no. Uh. Okay. Stop it. And stop giving these people money because <laughs> this thing is just going to be on a shelf when you realize that you can't make good music with an orange. Oh, man. Even if it is a plastic digital orange, mm -hmm. uh, it's, no, this is not on. Yeah, I mean, I'm not sure how useful this is going to be. Is this the best use of our resources as a planet? I mean, I don't want to put all of, you know, our ecological problems onto Orba, but, you know... this. Uh, but Orba is destroying what we know and love. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> um, so, yeah, what's your hot take, James? Uh, my hot take is, come on! Oh. <laughs> Okay, I think we need to wrap this section up because I feel I feel bad shitting on these guys, but this is a product the world does not need. Right, Tim. Mm. I have a baby. Yeah, you do. There's a lot of advice out there on how to get a baby to sleep, and some of that advice includes white noise. Okay, sick. Not pink noise. I've used white noise and things like it in the past for when I had terrible, terrible neighbours. Oh, okay. Oh, uh, that's rough, man. We had people above us who were constantly in some kind of massive end-of-days relationship fight. Oh, God. That's and, tedious. Uh, someone below us who was definitely a drug dealer. <laughs> people coming in and out all day. And he also had problems with his, his girlfriend, and they were always... Uh, they were always uh, fighting in end of days, Hang end on. of relationships. What is the point of being a drug dealer if you can't... Uh, Rough up your girlfriend. No, 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 no. Like, um, you know, uh, alter your, your partner's emotional state with drugs, basically. Sure, sure. I mean, that's one <laughs> argument. But anyway, forget that. It caused the need for white, white noise, white noise uh, because also the flats had really bad insulation. You could push up on the ceiling and it would basically just just push all the way up. Um, oh God, like in Aliens. Uh, yeah. They're in the room, man. <laughs> 
So white noise was necessary. We used to use water sounds. And now we have baby. Uh, I wanted to get a bit more in depth with the white noise. Okay. Uh, it's not necessarily to help them get to sleep, but it is to uh, mask all the other sounds that happen at the same time. Like, let's say I want to unload the dishwasher. <laughs> you want to unload? <laughs> okay. Uh, sure. I'm not going to want that to wake anyone. So some white noise happening in the bedroom is uh, good for masking sounds. So I set to work making some uh, psychoacoustic white noise. Oh my goodness, so you're ho- home baking your own white noise? Yeah, Wicked. damn right. I, Organic white noise. Exactly. I was using the psychoacoustic principles that I've learned over the years to make the ultimate white noise sound. Okay, now... James, my brain always turned off whenever they mentioned psychoacoustics uh, uh, uni. Uh-huh. So tell us about psychoacoustic uh, composition. Well, there, there are principles of psychoacoustics such as masking, which sure. we all basically know, which basically says that... Oh, I'm thinking of electroacoustics, sorry. Uh, psychoacoustics that. are completely different. Uh, sorry. If you want good masking, you want to get... Uh, a louder frequency just below the frequency you want to mask. Oh, really? Yeah. I did not know that. Yeah, well, let's say you want to mask a, I don't know, 447 hertz tone. Okay. You'd want a slightly louder tone at like 450 hertz or something like that. Uh, that's not a scientific demonstration, but... Is it like a ratio or whatever of the No, no, uh, it's, just, it's just closeness. Um, okay. And it's got to be below it generally okay uh but if you want to mask any sound you're gonna need white noise right broadband white noise i'd imagine mate damn right and so (laughs) you're also going to want a speaker that can do bass sounds so when the twats upstairs are stamping on the floor all the time you don't hear it as much and of course you want to go into the infrasonics (laughs) as well so you think that you're seeing ghosts and stuff like that exactly and you got to tune it all to 432 hertz (laughs) oh mate you don't want any bad uh, vibrations mate you got to tune it standard uh but yeah if you want to if you want to mask uh variable noise such as random footsteps you're going to want a bit of variable oh jesus really oh my god okay first step was to get some white noise Mm mm-hmm uh, sample libraries didn't give me good white noise. They gave me very hissy white noise for riser sounds. So I went to Massive X. Okay. Massive X gave okay white noise, but um, it was, again, very heavily weighted towards the highs. But I got uh, Pro Q up and did a tilt EQ. Mm, like that tilt EQ in there, man. Put it back towards the lows. However, it was at that point that I realized Massive X uses sampled noise. Oh, mate. The, uh, Defeating most, the whole point of making it from scratch. The most high-tech synth in our world seems to use sampled noise, I believe. Because I, I well, when I, I turned it up... I think they all... Like, loads of them seem to, man. I they use, seem to. I know Serum does. But it's got a lot of different options. For white noise, I use a uh, Tal Uno X, mate, mm. um, which is an excellent synth. Basically, so that's my top tip for you. When I turned up the noise and tilted the noise, it I could hear this repeating like... Oh, no. Which I assume is some kind of like um, barber pole filter phaser thing to help you make great sounding risers. Really? But it didn't work. So... Instead of Massive X, I went for Credland Audio Pink, which is a free pink noise generator. Okay. Tilted that a bit. Works like a charm. It's algorithmic, not sample-based. So <laughs> nice. that runs into the Pro-Q, tilting it. So it's it's basically back to pink noise, white noise, somewhere in between. Mm. Uh, then I went multiband, Tim. I went for... Oh. 
Wow. Blue Cat's MB7 mixer. And on each of the four bands, I put a Soundtoys tremolator. Okay. Uh, now, I know I said I don't like Soundtoys, but I used them recently. This mm-hmm. is one of the uses. Soundtoys tremolator pumps the different bands by different amounts and at very different um oh, out to get a of pulsing phase. movement yeah, out of phase pulsing which replicates the sounds of the human body oh god that wow, one would amazing. hear in the womb oh so sick you got the lowest sort of sub band is is going quite slowly and rising quite low the next the bass band is a bit faster but yeah they're all unsynced so they'll all sort of just go off on on their own pace and then the high band comes up very slowly and quite drastically to simulate ocean waves, Tim. Oh, my God. Uh, and it's all so of conceptual. that. All the different bands have, like, a different thing on them. Like, I think one of them's got a phaser and something like that. Bit of reverb on the sort of mid-band. But um, presumably you're reproducing this in mono, ultimately, though. Yeah, but uh, that that hasn't been a problem. Okay. Um, I, I Got to sure. check your mono. Uh, I made mo- sure I was mono basically image. doing it in mono anyway. Okay. Um, and, yeah, there's a reverb band on the mid-range. And then I put it through another Pro Q because I thought white noise isn't quite right. We want it to be a bit bassier than anything else. Okay. Uh, and that is my baby womb white noise. So How does this sound? It sounds pretty good, pretty pretty pumping, to be honest. <laughs> and you <laughs> render out a long section of it, yeah? Uh, yeah, I rendered out 30 minutes and just decided to repeat that 30 minutes instead no, of rendering out four hours. I think that's a decent enough loop or whatever. Dude, I think you should patent this, do a Kickstarter and flog it to some rubes, bro. Well, yeah, I was thinking of sticking it on YouTube, advertising it as psychoacoustic white noise, which it is... And then doing some kind of like band camp, like buy it if you if you want the full. You high should res think version. bigger than that, mate. You should be making a bit of hardware, making some dollars. Maybe I should uh, do an inspirational promo video for a Kickstarter and say it's a revolutionary new uh, white noise generator. Have, just have you literally holding an orange um, and acting like that is the uh, finished product, basically, and it can make white noise in the video. How what about could, that? What could possibly go wrong? Um, no, you should do this and try and make some money off it. Uh, come on i've had it up to here with trying to make money oh come on on the spirits of entrepreneurialism bro come on um, make that make that cash it's not about the cash tim it's about the white noise okay so do you think it's gonna work uh it's worked so far baby well um i'll be interested to see if uh you have any further thoughts on uh, on this whether you go back to refine it or something like that i'll probably make some different versions with some weird uh baby music in the background oh sinister I, I like that mm. yeah that's good man Okay, I'm glad we managed to steer away from Black Friday there. You got a bit of that in there. We talked about it a lot. Uh, at length. I mean, to be honest, yeah, sorry about that. Let me tell you my best ever Black Friday deal, James. Yes. In 2015, I got a refurbished PlayStation 4 for 200 quid. And they're still about that ruddy price now, mate. So I won that thing. I won capitalism. Bow down to me. Uh, I just I just don't want it. I just don't want Black Friday. It's... it's too much. I did, I haven't bought anything since I got my PlayStation, um, but I am going to get some plugins and stuff today, mate. And I'm here for it. Though I feel like we shouldn't have to have all this sale on since it's worth paying the balance. 
Well, we will catch you in two weeks' time for yet another episode. How long can we keep doing these things, eh? What, these podcasts? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Forever, I hope. Forever, I hope.